This is Edwin K. Morris, and you are about to embark on the next Pioneer Knowledge Services Because You Need to Know, a digital resource for you to listen to folks share their experience and knowledge around the field of knowledge management and nonprofit work. My name is Arshad Ahmed. I'm from Manchester and currently residing and working in Doha in Qatar. The field that I work in is knowledge management and predominantly the, uh, the energy sector. And the topic I can talk for hours about is augmented reality. If I was stranded on an island, uh, my top three must-haves, at least at this point in my time in my life, would be a, a phone, a prayer mat, and uh, a bottle of Dettol. What is a bottle of Dettol? <laughs> what is that? Dettol is it's an antiseptic. It's like a disinfectant. Ah, smart guy. Yeah, I just like this. Yeah. I don't know if they have it in America. <laughs> um, Savlon, maybe? Maybe that's the closest thing. My mentor was, uh, actually still is, a guy called Stefan Lafloa. He was a knowledge management. He, he was a chief knowledge officer at PepsiCo once upon a time. He's got a substantial history in knowledge management. But that's by the by, really, because when I was a relative, nobody in this field, he was one of the only people who actually gave me time and gave me his knowledge and gave me his advice. I, I really appreciate it up to this day. How did you two meet? Yeah, there was a site called Knowledge Board. You know, typically people say that the best connections you make are face-to-face and then, you know, connections can go virtual. And, uh, you know, I agree with that for the most part. But actually with, uh, with Stefan, we actually met virtually, if you like, on this site. We were both uh, online SIG editors. Uh, I was pretty much a very green, just completed a, a degree in knowledge management where he was a seasoned expert. He was from Chicago and I have an auntie from Chicago. The next time I was there, uh, I said, you know, we should meet up for a coffee. So uh, yeah, that was the start of a, of a beautiful friendship. The idea that there is a difference or a quality difference of a face-to-face versus a non-face-to-face connection that there seems to be a mystique or a misnomer. I, it doesn't seem to be real to me that when people say, oh, I can't wait till we get back to face-to-face because that's where everything's more better, you know, and it's like, yeah. it, it doesn't really matter. And you just brought up a good point about you found somebody that impacted your life in a positive way. Yeah. You didn't meet face-to-face until way later. You're right. I mean, there was a friend who was a girl who I used to know who used to do kind of online dating and uh, it was a bit alien to me so I said you know how do you find that Mm -hmm. and she goes oh well you know I actually uh, find that I can get to know a person much better kind of virtually before meeting them and getting an idea of their personality and their values and and so on which is obviously you know virtual as you said Mm -hmm. Uh, and then I remember somebody talking about a piece of research and especially how we're talking now Mm -hmm. that there might be people making an argument that social media isn't the best way of making friendships and connection. But there's some research saying that a high definition camera, mm-hmm. so we're you know, having a video conference, is almost as good as a real thing. Uh, you know, I, I do feel you can build up a rapport with somebody yeah. through, through video. Yeah. I certainly built it with yourself. I agree. Uh, I, so why do you think there is such a, a dam, a rub, a friction for some people that don't feel comfortable in a digital space? It's a good question. It's it's interesting because in this region, for example, generally speaking, even though things are changing, the culture is to come into the office. 
Even during COVID times, I remember they had people on rotation. So even though the majority of us were at home, there was an expectation to still come into the office. There's that there. And then you've got the older hands as well, who maybe prefer kind of that firm handshake, that look in the eye, you know, and, and they don't find a substitute for that with the latest technologies. I think those are factors, I think, for sure. So it's comfortable. It's a comfortability factor. And I think it's a preconceived idea that is a bit of a ludite in the fact that they don't want to adopt the new technology as much as they want to stay with what's worked or what they're comfortable with. I think there's a bridge that has to be made for some of these folks to just say, you know what? We're not running a telegraph anymore. We need to move along to the new world or the new way and not get stuck on defending what used to be. Again, look, I agree with you, Edwin. I mean, another thought's just come into my head. Mm -hmm. um, they were talking about adopting a new system at work as a kind of a demand management. So rather than going through somebody just grabbing you in the lift or phoning you it goes through a portal if you like so demands can be made and they can be tracked and so on Ooh. that's fine but again as i was saying people stick to what they know mm -hmm. how would you stop that well there's maybe a decommissioning element there right if you were to shut down those channels off that kind of happened with covid yeah. you know there was a situation where we all had to socially distant we couldn't be in close vicinity so even if you didn't like it you were you were kind of forced to do it I guess I was also one of these people who, you know, I like a face-to-face -face and so on. Yeah. After a while, I thought, actually, this isn't, this isn't too bad. You know, it's okay. You know, <laughs> I kind of walked into it, but then I thought, yeah, it's all right, this, you know. The new technologies, uh, in, in particular, augmented reality, and in our recent conversation at Prep for this show, we talked about assisted reality. Can you kind of walk us through the definitional difference and expectation of both? Uh, in a nutshell... Assisted reality, if you like, is a less glamorous cousin of, of augmented reality. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But yeah, so whereas uh, I guess augmented reality might have uh, like the fancy rendering, you can have a model, you can, you can move that model with your hands. That also means complexity in terms of developing that model in the first place yeah. and then manipulating that model through your own field of view, which then... I think we've talked about user experience and to make something less busy is probably better. You want something to be an aid and not a distraction. Yeah. It's great to show the audience. Practically speaking, probably not the best use. So augmented reality is very much in your field of view. There, there's other elements to it, but you can tag information onto real world objects. The kind of the busyness is a lot less. The actual tagging of this information is much easier to do. There's voice commands. It, it doesn't really impair your field of view as well. So depending on what kind of uh, scenario you're in, where you need that, that focus and where you need both hands free, for example, as well, it's a far more effective solution. There's no, you can't really say one technology is better than the other, but you can say what is the best fit for a particular purpose. And this is where I think augmented reality is definitely the future, but maybe the, the technology needs to uh, mature a little bit more. Walk me through an example of where, and I'm assuming there's a, probably a blend of what assisted reality is and environmental computing. There's probably a little bit of both happening. Can you give us an example? The use of assisted reality. Sure, you could do a virtual audit. That might be one of the uses. One place that I worked in, they like to do a quarterly safety inspection. So it could be like, a is a fire extinguisher 
working? Are the coveralls intact? That could be done as a checklist, if you like. Now, which might be a manual checklist. However, through the headsets, you can actually have that numbered in a sequence. So you don't miss that as a procedure. That could be a, a use. Another one could be to dismantle a, a safety valve, for example. Um, how do you depressurize it? How do you close the inlet valves? How do you close the outlet valves? There might be a sequence to all of that. So this can be captured by a subject matter expert as a procedure. So then when the next person who comes who hasn't got that knowledge can open up a QR code, which is created when it gets published, and they can, they're able to walk through it and complete those steps. Yeah. And this is where the transfer and knowledge management element so comes in, in as well. So in recent history, the common reference is YouTube University. So when you don't know how to do something, you go look for a video on YouTube to show you how to do something. It sounds like there's just a lot of different things that are really delivering the same punch well, in your case, it's going to be right on the spot. It's going to be a protocol that has got some audit and uh, liability with it, especially for these types of instances that you just said, where something has to be done in a, in a proper procedure. So safety is a key element where these could have huge benefit, right? right? That's, that's where these are coming into play. Uh, absolutely. I think when it comes to, I guess, reducing errors, increasing productivity, and I think those two things are actually relatively easy to measure as well. You can measure the reduction in errors and you can measure the increase in productivity, I guess, boldly by reducing the amount of time that it takes to complete a task. Uh, it's funny you mentioned YouTube University, because again, what was going in my head was, yeah, what are the majority of the videos that are kind of delivered on YouTube? I don't know what the statistics are, but these headsets that I use, they were described as basically an Android phone ah. as a wearable. You know, it actually uses an Android operating system as well. It's been, I guess, if you like, augmented because it's got voice commands. So, you know, you, when you span left or right, it will go to the to the right app. But essentially, it's a, it's a mobile phone on, on your head. Yeah. If we're ever going to get to where this technology is inborn to the human framework, we're going to have biotech and we won't have to have a phone stuck to our head. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm just wondering how far that stretches until it becomes uh, a bit creepy. You're, you're right. <laughs> um, whether I saw somebody with a contact lens and, you know, it was given the same kind of information, uh, you know, a supercomputer of sorts in a contact lens. Maybe the day will come, you know. Yeah. And then you probably remember, if you remember Google Glass as well, I think the term... Pardon my Frenchie, I think they called them glass holes at the time, you know, because, <laughs> you know, again, it was just just the fear of the unknown. Well, there's quite a bit to expect in the future. And I think there's a lot of industries that are going to need to experiment to find out what works. And the weird thing is, is that as we both know, lifespan of a technology is the fickle part. So once you get hooked up and you're like, okay, we're going down this way, whoop, uh, we've just leapt forward and sideways, and now what? Now we got to redo everything again. How do you future-proof an organization and not be spending money all the time? It's a very, very, very good question, and I'm trying to think about an answer as, uh, <laughs> as I'm thinking. So the way I approach augmented reality is... Why I like it is because knowledge management to me, that what I call classical knowledge management is around lessons learned, collaboration, information management. And, and I guess, as I might have mentioned to you before, I think it's getting a bit samey for me. It needs to be uh, rejigged, reimagined, uh, revamped. And I see technology as the enabler to do this. Can that technology be superseded? Yes. 
But the important thing is that it's still relying on classic KM principles. Is camera technology going to improve? Of course it will. You know, will battery technology improve? Will connectivity improve? All the things that, you know, are factors in a successful headset. But the, the fundamentals uh, should stay the same. That's what makes it a success. What's Realware? Realware, as far as I know, is a Canadian company. And it's, it's relatively small compared to the likes of Microsoft. So Microsoft, probably best known for HoloLens. And then you, you're familiar with Magic Leap as well? That's a new one. Um, which I think is Florida-based. There's other headsets in the market, but the ones that I know are HoloLens, uh, Magic Leap, and Realware. And Realware is really the assisted reality headset that I was mentioning. So a lot less glamorous than the other two. Mm. But then the other two also are not as rugged. So, for example, the, the Realware headset, it can withstand a, a drop from 1.5 meters onto solid concrete from any angle, yeah. which obviously, if you're going to be sat at home gaming, that doesn't really make a difference. But if you're in a plant, it will make a difference. Then they've also got certain scenarios in oil and gas, bearing in mind that the, the whole area can be quite risk averse. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and and rightfully so in a lot of, there's an oxygen enriched environment or there's, there's a risk of sour gas, which is again, highly flammable, a spark in a conventional headset or even a, in a mobile phone, uh, under normal circumstances, it's not even an issue. But in these highly flammable environments, that could cause an explosion and therefore fatality. The Realware headset that we were using uh, was also one of the only ones that was certified to be what you call intrinsically safe. Okay. So there was, yeah. there was no risk of it causing an explosion caused by a spark. Depending on the environment, the environments that we were using in, this was the most field ready, if you mm -hmm. like, probably the less, the most low tech, but that also had its advantages because oh, yeah. it was. Well, I just looked up uh, Magic Leap and they've got a note here that says Magic Leap receives 60601 certification for use in an operating room. Okay. So there's another environment that's probably got a lot of liability and safety concerns, right? Yeah. That's good news. I mean, I would think that most people, when they hear of augmented reality, all they think about is the metaverse and uh, Facebook stuff. And, and that is purely, from my, what I can gather, is just entertainment. That's all that is, is another entertainment delivery system. But these are actual functional tools that can enhance an environment and deliver knowledge management in a very yeah. easy way. You know, Edwin, maybe we could even go beyond that. Okay. You know, going beyond using the same rationale. I was always told not to lead with a technology solution. So many times you see a technology being brought in and then they're struggling to find a use for it. <laughs> yeah. Just because it was cool, right? Or, or, oh my, just think what we could do with it. But they don't think of what they do with it until they get it. And it's yeah. like, oh, what do we do with this? <laughs> so I was actually just saying it to, to, to my colleagues today. Blockchain, Internet of Things, uh, big data. They, these are some of the kind of the modern buzzwords. I'm not going to say buzzwords because I'm sure there's some legitimacy behind them. But to me, they're buzzwords because I don't really understand the use of it. That's not to say there aren't uses of right. it. I'm sure there are. I can't think of, of a solid application for at least my work. Now, how it came to be with this was, I just remember thinking, I think I might have told you there was an advert that I saw on TV where it was a real estate agent and they were spanning over a house and the house, it gave the, the energy rating of the house, what the average rent might be, how the number of bedrooms. And I thought, you know what, that would be fantastic if we could just zoom over something and you were able to get that kind of metadata, if you like, yeah? And that's when augmented reality hit me. Rather than going out with 
let's get augmented reality now let's find a use for it so again it came from a, a genuine need and then pulling it back to the technology there's a similar case with something called matterport camera system matterport right. and when i first saw it i was like oh my gosh this is incredible that in the use cases with real estate and that's what that got me thinking about it oh, okay. they go in with this 360 scannable digital system and they set it up in the house in different spots and it does this 360 digital build of the room that it can see and then it connects and meshes it to the next spot and you basically get a complete 3d feel of walking through the house and looking and seeing everything and and I thought, oh my gosh, that'll sell more houses than anything. Yeah. And you know what? I see less and less people doing it because the user interface and the bridge to get those people, the new buyers, to go through that technological hoop. I mean, to me, it was just click and go, and, and it was a lot of fun to explore, and it was really cool. Yeah. But apparently, the majority of people didn't get it. And they're like, I just want to go look at the house. I don't want to mess around with this technology stuff. But I think, how are we ever going to get the masses to get on board with anything, let alone an organization? Yes. Well, you, it's interesting you mentioned, did you say it was, was it quite clunky in its delivery? Or... No, well, I thought it was pretty slick. You would have okay. this internal model, digitized right. model that you could enter in and then you would jump from circle to circle on the floor because the circle actually represented where the tripod sat and this thing did right. its thing. So you could jump over there and now you're by the sink and you're like looking in the sink and you're yeah. looking at the stove and you're looking. The field of view is just phenomenal. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. Yeah. So with the realware, again, the fact that it can fit onto PPE equipment, so it can fit into, a, into a, an existing helmet, it's very unobtrusive. So it'll only, you can pull it down as a, as a small little visor when you need it, rather than the HoloLens, which is more kind of a, yeah. a, a, a big goggle, yeah. right? You know, that it's in your view all the time. You know, so that was a factor. The, the battery life is close to, I think, 17 hours, which is enough for a full shift. You know, these are all factors that will help the adoption, right? You know, because, so if you talk about maybe maybe the people change element, you know, people don't like change, right? But if you can kind of make that change easier, then they're less likely to, you know, as you say, they're more ready, they're more willing, and they're more able to do it then. All right. Well, we've talked a lot about technology. So let's get back to knowledge management. If knowledge management principles and practices are not driving whatever the IT solution is the next thing, does it matter? Does knowledge management just lose its impact in a lot of IT structures because it's the consideration is more around whatever the new capacity can be? You know, I've been in this field quite a long time now, Edwin, and I think, do I believe in knowledge management? Yes, I do. Do I think it's easy to do? Yes and no. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's, um, if it's about quick wins, then technology kind of is something that could be, you know, rolled out relatively easily. For true knowledge management, it takes time with a cultural change and for things to mature. And, you know, we take a community of practice. I'm a big supporter of that. But equally, there's another process that I recommend called knowledge retention. If there's a leaving expert and, you know, they've slipped through the net, they've not been part of any communities or the company just isn't mature enough to have communities of practice. They've only got a few weeks before they leave. A community of practice is not going to be able to do that job. So then you need more tactical measures as opposed to strategic. I, I digress and I go off on, a, off on a tangent here. I'm trying to answer your question, but 
Technology, I think, showcases knowledge management better. I think that's where they, the two are needed, you know? And I think it brings some honesty to technology as well because, you know, it's almost like a symbiotic relationship that yeah. the two in certain ways need each other, you know? Absolutely, yeah. Don't you feel that most organizations are reliant on the CTO or the IT uh, folks to drive the train versus a CKO or somebody in the knowledge management framework that's looking at the culture? as much as that solution? Oh, all the time. Yeah. I mean, in fact, a good IT friend, who was also the head of technology at a company at the time said, well, look, we like to build things. So, you know, they'll do the uh, fact acceptance <laughs> test. So they'll do all the technical things. And then after that, the implementation, we don't really want to do that. <laughs> In that framework, the product development is not really looking at the customer whatsoever. We're just going to build stuff. Yeah. Is it like not really looking at the user at all? So it, I don't know if it's a bit like a car, you know, when it's out of the manufacturing facility, we built it, right? All the, the aftercare and, and the kind of the, you know, the customer service and all of that has to be done by some other, I was going to say <laughs> schmuck then, but you know, some, <laughs> this is where knowledge management can, yeah, absolutely through a framework, yeah. roles and responsibilities, the whole people, cultural change, having the right processes so people know how to use it having the roles and responsibilities so it is somebody's job to do it all these things this is where they come into play then so how easy is it to do knowledge management then you said it was easy tell me an easy thing about um if, if we take the notion that somebody leaving is taking all those you know assumptions experience insight knowledge with them and is there some way we could capture that then it's going to make sense and then one of the problems with knowledge management is it's one of the problems and it's one of the beauties it is common sense even if it's not common practice, yeah? But one of the challenges I found is, okay, well, let, let me take lessons learned. Lessons learned comes under the, the whole banner of learning in knowledge management. But I was at a company trying to pitch lessons learned to their project management department. It was PMOD, project manager office department. And their lessons learned was actually pretty bloody good. Then there's collaboration and you go to internal comms and you know they've got metrics set up, they've got other things set up, and you're thinking actually they've got a pretty good business case. So yeah. it's almost like a fight with existing things that can, and this is where I like the idea of augmented reality because it's still an emerging technology. Yeah. There's still space to yeah. get onto that early. Uh, this is one of the, I guess, other practical problems I find with knowledge management, that somebody's already there and established. How would you define knowledge management then? I used to have a kind of a definition that I've remembered, but <laughs> what is it today see let's not go backwards what is it right now if i can say connection collaboration codification how does that sound okay how about application okay. yeah so two people talking that doesn't necessarily mean so then they, they're therefore collaborating okay and can knowledge management help connect those people well it should okay so if you've got somebody in continental europe can you connect them to someone in asia pacific and they have a similar problem, they're able to share the solution to that. And this is where I like the idea of connecting, if you like, tacit knowledge, because mm -hmm. nothing has to be necessarily written down, but knowledge management has occurred, right? Because two people have, have talked and collaborated to solve a problem. This is the element where maybe at the end there is some kind of codification. So maybe there is a document that's produced. What if we could just move the, the, the whole framework of, I was just getting this as you said this, because I am a, a key driver for lessons learned or that process. And if we could take the technology available in assisted reality and tie in all the knowledge that could be 
elicited and recorded in video and audio to be a dynamic system of interface for the field to have that instant connection to and I don't even know how you do it because you'd have to tag so much stuff to, to make connections. So if Bob, uh, who has 23 years experience in steel structures, yeah. and you could tie his most recent interview or his most recent publication or his most whatever audio, and then have that interface yeah. to the augmented reality to be instantaneous knowledge access. Oh my goodness. Let's build that. So, you know, it's funny you should mention that I was shown a very impressive piece of lessons learned software. I was actually quite blown away from it with it. I feel embarrassed because I forgot its name now. <laughs> I won't blow away with it at the time. I've got the notes somewhere. I actually mentioned to the guy, I'm, I'm actually working on augmented reality. And would you be able to produce a, for something like this? And they were open to the idea. So just to take your example there, if we talk about a piece of machinery that an operator is having problem, uh, is having trouble using. And if we take these headsets, and I think I might've mentioned it to you before that there's a camera present. You could have a subject matter expert that doesn't necessarily have to be on site who can look through that and give the right guidance mm -hmm. to what needs to be done to come to fix an issue. Now that is also recorded, right? So if that is then later uh, developed into, if you like a, a learning and a multimedia learning, so it's a video. Yeah. So then the next time somebody's there, the expectation is to actually, before you do anything, search the video lessons learned database, if right. you like, yep. as a form of learning before yeah. an actual activity. There could be a lot of value in that, I think. Well, I'm excited to get started with that. So let me know when we can put that together. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> you and I actually mean that as well. Okay. Perfect. Well, thanks for being here today and stay safe. Yeah, you too. Thanks, Edwin. You have just finished our latest Because You Need to Know, a public service of Pioneer Knowledge Services. Please join us on LinkedIn and find us at pioneer-ks.org.